Just an FYI, the phrase, our students must compete in a global society, has been recycled over and over again since the 1980s. You're listening to Conversation Ed. I'm Kathleen, and today I'm walking you through part two of our education reform history series. We're talking about the 80s, people. subject of paramount concern to every American family, the education of our children. You may have heard the disturbing report this week by the National Commission on Excellence in Education that I created shortly after taking office. Their study reveals that our education system, once the finest in the world, is in a sorry state of disrepair. Today we're told in a tough report card on our commitment that the educational skills of today's... Despite the fact that we had put a man on the moon and all of the other technological and scientific achievements over the last 20 or 30 years, we were again in a sorry state of disrepair in terms of our education system. The report President Reagan is referring to was called a nation at risk. It laid out all the problems with our public education system. It showed that we were incapable of competing with other nations around the world. Sound familiar? We get to the late 70s, and we've gone through crises like the gasoline crises, mm-hmm. and we realize... That's Dr. Carter again, and this time we're sitting in his office talking about the 1980s and the Reagan administration's attempt to reform education. If you're wondering who Dr. Carter is, you probably missed episode one in this series, The History of Education Reform. It's titled The Space Race. Rise of the Pacific Rim Nations, Japan mm-hmm. in particular... Okay, and we start seeing that being eroded. Uh, We start seeing an influx of Japanese automobiles, for example, uh, in the United States. Uh, So there were concerns about uh, our economic superiority that came to the forefront in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, In 1983, uh, a commission that had been appointed by Ted Bell, who was the U.S. Secretary of Education at the time under Ronald Reagan, uh, produced a report titled A Nation at Risk. Okay, and this focused on the economic woes of the country. And again, it laid all of the blame at the feet of public schools. The report states bluntly, that the very future of our nation is at risk, sabotaged by a rising tide of mediocrity in our children's education. The statistics are alarming. 13% of America's 17-year-olds are functionally illiterate, unable to fill out a job application. Here we go again. We must compete. This time, it was with the Japanese. Our economic stability and our nation's future depended on public schools to produce students who would take us into prosperity. A nation at risk impacted education more than any other report in our nation's history. Again, more money was poured into education in hopes we could build a less mediocre student. We teach the average kid in the United States one to two years of mathematics. Japan has six years of math. Russia has seven and a half years of math. They cover calculus, differential, and integral equations before they graduate. We've got to compete with these kids later on in a high-tech society. 
And so again, public schools became the whipping boy. Now, the truth of the matter is, the public schools had very little to do with the state of the economy. Okay? It wasn't the public schools that decided to continue producing gas-guzzling automobiles in Detroit that only lasted for three years, while the Japanese were producing economic, economical vehicles that would last seven to ten years easily. Okay, and Americans started buying that. In fact, the people who were making those decisions were probably graduates of Northeastern prep schools, okay, and not graduates of public schools. But at any rate, a nation at risk was the Sputnik of the 80s. You know, schools aren't rigorous enough. We don't have the high standards that we need. And we've been living with that uh, uh, scarlet letter. Scarlet letter. That's a good way to put it. Uh, since then, okay, out of a nation at risk evolved uh, the reform movement that we're now in. Finally, I'd like to address a few words to all you students. Remember, you're not only studying for yourself, but for your family, your community, your country, and your God. concludes part two of our history and education reform series. Next week, we'll walk you through No Child Left Behind during the Bush administration. If you like what we're doing here, please feel free to subscribe to our iTunes channel and leave us a review. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Conversation Ed, and share our content with everyone you know. Have a great day.